All right. Welcome to another episode here of the MIA All Day podcast. I am your host, Carlos Ledo. Welcome to the show. I've got myself uh, angled here at a weird angle. There we go. Maybe a little bit better. Uh, trying something new today, doing this on the iPad, trying to get some better visual quality. Nothing I could do about the puppet here. I am who I am. It is what it is. Uh, but other than that, thank you for joining us again for another episode, another game time breakdown, breaking down Virginia Tech. I'm going to try and make this one very short, simple, keep it under 30 minutes. I know you got stuff to do. I got stuff to do. And I don't want to be here all day. Really breaking down a game that I'm not very excited about, to be quite honest with you. Um, you know, let's let's go over the top on this one. Let's go. No. Let's talk frankly here like Kane's fans, right? Let's talk frankly about the way the season has gone so far. Uh, if you heard a wide right this past week, I mentioned a few times on the show that, you know, had Miami beaten Middle Tennessee, and that result had been flipped from where it ended up to, you know, the Hurricanes winning in the same fashion, then maybe we wouldn't feel as bad about this season as we are right now. Um, obviously, it wouldn't be a three-game losing streak, so there'd be that. Um, but also, I think, you know, beating the team that you're supposed to beat in Middle Tennessee um, convincingly and handily adds a little bit more security in terms of how you feel about the team moving forward as opposed to what we're feeling right now, which is, you know, three losses in a row, including one to a team that we had no business losing to. What direction is this program heading in? What team are we getting every Saturday? And it raises a question of, you know, the effort level on a week-to-week basis, which we wouldn't have had, I don't think, if we had played uh, up to snuff against Middle Tennessee and won that game. But you know what? It is what it is. We lost that game, and now there are questions looming around this program. There are questions looming around Mario Cristobal. Uh, is Josh Gattis the right offensive coordinator? Does Kevin Steele need to do more as a defensive coordinator? What does Mario Cristobal need to do as a head coach to try and get this ship righted, to get this program going in the right direction? And uh, a lot of questions looming in the future, like what's going to happen with recruiting if the season continues to go the way it's going? But luckily for us, we have the Virginia Tech Hokies this week in Blacksburg. This could be the slump buster, my friends. But again, like I mentioned, because we lost to Middle Tennessee, this game, the outcome is not guaranteed. Nothing is guaranteed anymore in this season, fellas. All right? And ladies, if there's some ladies that listen, other than my wife, uh, just out of courtesy that she turns this on for like five minutes uh, to give me a little uh, of you on YouTube and a download on the, uh, on the podcast, and the Apple podcast, you know, don't tell anybody, but we're, we're trying to stack the listens. We're trying to stack the downloads and the views by having her do that one time on each one. Okay? And sometimes she doesn't do it. Most of the time she doesn't do it. But whatever. Anyway. So the slump-busting Hokies, we are going up to Blacksburg to try and get a W there. Uh, Hurricanes and Hokies, long-standing rivalry. You know, I would put this rivalry uh, second behind Florida State over the time that the Hurricanes have been in the Big East and ACC. Uh, Virginia Tech has been a thorn in our side for years. I remember losing to drink Jim Drunken Miller in the Orange Bowl during those tough sanction years. I remember Michael Vick running up and down, up and down the field on us and also beating Michael Vick. I think Marcus Vick, Marcus Vick had more uh, success against the Hurricanes than Michael did. But overall, it's 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 a rivalry that's going away because we're not now we're going to that three five three format in the ACC. Divisions are going away, so now Virginia Tech is not going to be a team that you're going to see every year, which sucks because that's a big rivalry. And uh, although I've never been to Blacksburg, seeing it on TV, seeing that environment, seeing what that's like there, it's it's fun to see your team playing that hostile environment and come out with a victory. Although you know it's, that's that hasn't happened too often in recent years up in Blacksburg and it's always a dogfight, you know, and, and that's what I've enjoyed about the rivalry. It's been competitive. It's been fun. It's been exciting. And neither team like each other. 
they, they don't like each other. It's not like there's even a mutual respect between Virginia Tech and Miami. I don't think there is. I think we they, they really just dislike each other. So without further ado, I am not giving you a PowerPoint this week because I don't know if you guys liked it or not. If you want me to give you the PowerPoints moving forward, like I did last week for North Carolina, leave a comment below. Uh, if not, I'm just going to give you the straight numbers. You're going to look at my face, and then we're going to get into uh, some audience member questions, some Twitter questions, which I will project onto the Zoom here. But for now, let's get into the numbers. So Virginia Tech right now, over their last three games, um, their average score, they have also lost three games in a row, if you are unaware. Their average score has been 39.6 to 16.3 losses, okay? They have been getting their ass straight hammered over the last three weeks. And, uh, you know, hopefully the Hurricanes can take advantage of that. But again, it's going to be up in Blacksburg. This is homecoming for Virginia Tech. Always a tough game, no matter what Virginia Tech's like. Remember last year, a lot of people expected the Hurricanes to roll the Hokies at Hard Rock, uh, but no, they wouldn't go away. And we had to play a sloppy game in the mud to get that victory and, and all the way down to the wire. Uh, interesting thing about the last three games, Virginia Tech coming into the season because Brent Pry, first of all, their new head coach, their first-year head coach, is uh, a former defensive coordinator for Penn State, really well-respected defensive mind. Uh, the defense came in with a lot of expectation this year because that was probably the best part of their team returning. And they showed early on that although they were struggling, their defense was probably the, the strength of their team. However, over the last three games, that set defense has given up 235 yards rushing per game on average. Um, this defense has been blasted with, with the run game, has given up a ton of points. And right now it's not looking like that confident Virginia Tech defense that we were expecting coming into the season. Although I will say this, the, the tackle grade for the defense as a whole is a 79.1, which is very good. So these guys will not miss tackles for the most part. They are solid and fundamental tacklers. And the other thing about them is they have a strong pass rush. Their pass rush grade is an 82.2 as a team. Their top three pass rushers or three edge guys are number 17, Cole Nelson, number 56, CJ McCray, number 45, Tai Juan Garbett. I don't know where Taiwan is from. That's a cool ass name. And uh, combined, these guys have, have combined for six sacks and 40 pressures over the five games that played. Um, they are good pass rushers as far as defending the run. Not so great. Their leading tacklers are their linebacker, number four, Dax Holyfield. He's got 33 tackles. And then interesting, interestingly enough, the next three highest tacklers are all safeties. And that's number one, Chamari Connor. Number 25, Nasir Peoples. Number seven, Keontae Jenkins. Uh, so what does that tell me? That tells me that if the, the running play goes past that, that first level, it's usually getting into the secondary and safeties are having to come up hard and run support. So I know I've said it the last couple of weeks and I've said it several times throughout this year. And, you know, there was a big discussion this week about Josh Gaddis saying that they needed to run the football more. This is... I thought it would be last week with North Carolina because North Carolina's run defense was terrible. This is the week the Hurricanes should establish uh, the run and be dominant. However, there are injuries along the offensive line. So Ja'Kai Clark, I do not believe it, it might play this week. He's injured. I'm not sure if he's going to start or not. If he doesn't, Jonathan Dennis will step in. Um, and the one that's probably out for sure is Justice Olusun. And we'll have uh, – a, uh, a replacement for him there. Forget the this guy's name from Oregon. Logan Sacapolo. There you go. See, you give me enough time, I'm going to figure it out at some point. Right? Um, anyway, 
So, you know, Zion Nelson, I'm not sure if he's coming back at this game. If he does, it'll be a big boost to the offensive line, obviously, now with the injuries. And that should help the run game as well, though Zion is known more as a pass blocker than a run blocker. Um, but again, man, these guys are giving up a shit ton of yards on the, on the ground. I mean, what do we have to do to run the ball here? Okay. I think initially the Hurricanes used to start off, uh, and rather than trying to pound it early on and establish it, I think you've got to go through the air a little bit, you know, and, and not necessarily go down the field, but start establishing uh, quick screens, bubble screens, throwing things to the sidelines to get the defense to widen and then start hammering them with a run game and making them respect it. Uh, and then also then off that, go play action. I think you'll go some straight dropback also with TVD, work the middle of the field a little bit. Um, you want to attack their safeties also in coverage, specifically number seven, Keontae Jenkins. Uh, this guy's given up 84.6% in terms of passes thrown his way. 84.6% have been completed. That's a lot. Okay. That's not a good percentage. Um, you also want to attack their corners or okay. Um, Dorian strong is probably their best corner. He's got a 71.1 cover grade, but he's given up eight catches for 135 yards. Dorian strong is to be number 44. Number eight, Breon Murray is their worst corner. He's given up 16 catches for 144 yards, 76.2 reception percentage. Meaning this guy is, is giving up a lot of receptions, a lot of catches too. All right. If you throw it past his way, He's, he's likely to catch it. Uh, you're likely to catch it, all right? Um, number nine, Armani Chapman, also that safety, also a bad cover guy, 51.8 cover grade, 14 catches for 153 yards this season. Not excellent work, my man. Armani, okay? Playing more like uh, Alfani from Macy's. Those of you who have gone to Macy's and know Alfani. It's a, it's a little Macy's brand. It's a bad joke, but I hope you enjoy it anyway. So that's what we're looking at for the Virginia Tech defense, okay? These guys are not... They're not fundamentally unsound. They are fundamentally sound. They're solid with their pass rush. Their defensive line is probably the best part of their team. Um, their linebackers are okay. Secondary is not great. Uh, secondary has to get into the run support a lot. So Hurricanes could score point two. Fingers crossed. But again, you know, after things, the way things have gone for the last few weeks, it's hard to tell. But they should be able to run the, the football against this team. Ideally, you know, this team's been giving up 235 on the ground, like I said, over the last three games. If the Canes could get 200, I'll be happy. Uh, if you can get 200 on the ground and 275, 300 through the air, that, that's that's a good day. Um, probably not going to get 575 of offense, but somewhere around the 500 range, 520, um, get 27 points on offense. At least, please. So Virginia Tech's offense, they're not great. Not very good at all. Uh, the... Their overall run blocking grade as a team, as an offense, is 46.4. So these guys do not run the ball well. So if you see Virginia Tech running the ball well early on against the Hurricanes, that's one of those omens, one of those signs that, hey, this is going to be a long fucking day, right? Just, just like that opening interception against Middle Tennessee, then the pick six, you're like, oh, shit, here we go. This is going to be one of those games, right? You know what I'm talking about as a Hurricanes fan, right? It's kind of like Nightmare on Elm Street where you, you fall asleep, and then you think you wake up, you wake up in your dream and you're like, oh, shit, OK, I'm gone. I'm good. Freddy's gone. Freddy's not going to get me. And you hear the claws. You hear him screeching down the hall. You, you Freddy pops out of your pillow and you're like, shit, I'm still asleep and I can't wake up. And you're done. All right. There's a little Halloween nightmare on Elm Street reference for you. So as I said, if they are running the ball well early on, this is not going to be a good omen for the Hurricanes. Not a good game. The offensive line as a whole, their run blocking grade is a 54.6. Um, their worst offensive lineman is number 70, their tackle, Parker Clements. 
he uh, Parker Clements can't lose, but he loses a lot. Parker Clements loses a lot. Um, his he is the worst run blocking offensive lineman at forty one point eight. He's also given up three sacks and twelve hurdles, twelve pressures. Not great in the pass blocking act. Although they're a good pass blocking offensive line, their O line uh, as a whole is a sixty nine point eight in terms of their pass blocking grade. But if you eliminate stinky Parker Clements, um, their plan their pass blocking grade is a seventy three point four, which is pretty solid. That's that's a good group right there. So this plays well. This will be a good matchup to look at. Uh, in terms of, you know, one-on-one matchups between units, the Virginia Tech offensive line and pass protection against the Hurricane defensive line, which got five sacks on Drake May last week and has been probably the bright, the biggest bright spot uh, of the team so far this season. And the Hurricanes got a lot of pressure on Drake May without blitzing last week, which is what you want. And I think when we go over the numbers for their quarterback, for Virginia Tech's quarterback, you'll see that that's the best way to get to him, rattle him, and, and get the most out of your defense is by using that front four, relying on that pressure, not bringing a lot of blitzes and being sound on the back end. Um, let's get to that quarterback. Number six, Grant Wells transfer from Marshall. Um, he might've, he, he might've left his game in Marshall because this guy's not very good. He's got a 58.8% completion percentage, which is meh. He has thrown six touchdowns to seven interceptions, not a great ratio. Uh, that is the, the type of ratio you get on a bad tweet, like most of my tweets, his six interceptions. Now, listen to this carefully. He has thrown six interceptions. Six out of his seven interceptions have been thrown when he has been kept clean in the pocket. And they have come with no blitz. Okay. So what does that tell you? When he's not under pressure and he's clean and nobody's getting in his face, he's going to make mistakes. So you want to not necessarily blitz him. You want to play straight coverage on the backhand like they did against last, last week against West Virginia. Let him find the open hurricane defender and throw it right to him. And I think if you're going to get pressure on him, you do it through the front four. You don't necessarily come at him with blitzes. He's going to make mistakes all on his own. Okay. So, you know, again, come back with that cover two, mixing a little cover three like they did last week. Uh, man every once in a while, man two. But other than that, I would say zone on the back end. And he, he runs a little bit, so keep your eyes on him. That's why I also like the zone to keep your eyes on the quarterback as opposed to turning your back to him uh, when you're in man coverage. So, uh, and also, I think cover two is a great, a great coverage against this team specifically because 49% of Grant Wells' attempts have come in that zero to nine-yard range. Although he's thrown 16% of his passes in that 20% range, uh, most of those passes, if you see, come in that zero to 9% range. Uh, also, 28% of those zero to nine passes have come over the middle of the field. Uh, their running back, right now, their best running back is Keyshawn King. He's taken over as a starter there. 42 attempts, 255 yards, two touchdowns, 6.1 yards per carry. He is a he can be a game breaker. He has four attempts and 78 yards around the right edge, which is sort of a sweep area, jet sweep area, traditional sweep area, outside the tackle. Four attempts, 78 yards. That's 19 and a half yards of carry in that area. Um, he has two touchdowns in that uh, in that range as well. He's got also seven attempts for 47 yards, which is 6.7 yards of carry off of left tackle, uh, which is not necessarily that sweep area, but it's it's just outside the left tackle between, uh, let's say, a tackle and a tight end on that side. As a whole, this team really likes to run around the right edge. They've got 30 attempts for 183 yards there. They scored two touchdowns rushing that way. Grant Wells himself has 28 touchdowns. 28 touchdowns. If he had 28 touchdowns, let me tell you, five games into the season, uh, I would be shitting my pants. But right, he does not have that. He is not Willis McGate. Okay, 
He is, he's, he's not Michael Vick. He's not Tommy Frazier. He is none of those guys. His name is Seneca Wallace. So, Seneca Wallace. Anybody know who Seneca Wallace played for? Anybody? No? Leave a comment. Leave a comment on the YouTube. Uh, send me a comment on Twitter. Let me know if you know where Seneca Wallace played. So, uh, Grant Wells, 28 attempts, 161 yards. That's 4.4 yards of carry, two touchdowns. Um, their best wide receiver is Caleb Williams. He's 6'2", 222, number 80. Solid receiver. Not great, but good. 25 catches, 404 yards, 16.2 yards a catch, two touchdowns. And 35% of his targets have been in that 20-plus uh, range. So he can go over the top on them. And he's got 205 yards in that area with a touchdown. And then the remaining 46% of his targets are in that 0-9 to nine range. So that hitch, slant, curl, uh, you know, quick screen area. Nick Gallo, their tight end, is their second-leading receiver, 19 catches, 138 yards, 7.3 yards per carry. Not a big threat, this guy, but they target him a lot. So what are you going to do? Um, defensively, I believe the Hurricanes, like I said, they can play zone. A lot of cover two of this game because they like to go underneath a lot. You know, if the safety stay back, Camp Kitchens, um, and stay over the top on those deep routes, you know, I think they'll be successful. I think Grant Wills will put the ball in play for the Hurricanes to be able to intercept it uh, and, and turn the ball over and, and, and shift the game a bit. If the Hurricanes can get enough momentum through turnovers and get enough short fields where they're, they're popping that into the end zone, or getting points off turnovers, which you know is another thing they have not done that well this year is get points off turnovers. Uh, then this game could really spin out of control for Virginia Tech, and the Hurricanes can take control pretty quickly. Um, you know, this is the type of game that either continues the slog through the season with a, a close win. Um, God forbid a loss. I'm not even going to say that. I'm not. I just said it, but I'm not going to say it again. We're not losing. We're not losing Virginia Tech. I refuse to lose to these turkeys. Okay. We're having Thanksgiving dinner when we go up there. We are going to put the women and children to bed and go hunting for turkey dinner. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know what movie that's, that's from? Also, leave me a comment on YouTube if you know what movie that's from, or uh, hit me up on Twitter, or leave a comment on the podcast page. So this is going to be either a slog fest, you know, close win, you know, barely eke it out, or this is the kind of victory kind of game where this team locks in, gets focused, builds off of last week against North Carolina and pushes through and starts gaining momentum. The next three games are critical for the Hurricanes. If they can win these next three games, it gets a five and three and you're heading into Florida state at home. You've got yourself back into that divisional race. You've got yourself an opportunity to make the conference championship. And then you've got Clemson ahead of you. Uh, and if you can knock them off, then you've got a real good shot at making that conference title game. And of course it gives you, uh, a heck of a lot of confidence going into it because you might face them again, but I don't think they're going to be Clemson. Either way, I think getting three in a row after losing three in a row is critical to change the mindset of this team. You know, at this point, you just want to win. You know, just get off the slide, get back on the win column, get some momentum going, get some confidence, and get it done. I think if things go the way they should go, okay, this is again hypothetical. I'm just theorizing. I know nothing, as you've seen by my previous videos. I do hit on things. I tell you, I hit on things. But the outcomes this year and certain things that I predicted, slapping me in the face like Will Smith did Chris Rock, okay? And it's it's not going well. But I do believe they can run the football in this team. You know, they should get over 200 in this game. Let's say they get 160. I'll take 160. 160 and a couple touchdowns. I'll take TVD with 300 and a couple touchdowns. All right, 460, 475, 480 total offense. Hurricanes get 27 points. They win 27-13. I'll take that. I will take a conservative 27-13 win. Looking good, building momentum. Uh, but it's Friday. 
And that means I'm already converting into the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde uh, persona. So I'm going into Mr. Hyde already, which is the hurricane hype man. And I'm already believing this team can win 45-10. But I'm not going to say that as my official prediction. I'm going to go 27-13 Hurricanes. But here, let's make it one better. 30-13 Hurricanes. All right? That's it. I'm giving in. Starting to give in too much. But 30-13 Hurricanes. They should handle business. Again, we can throw in the secondary. Uh, If you pass protect and keep TVD clean, which is going to be a question with those injuries along the offensive line, then you've got a shot. I think you can also see an expanded role for Colby Young on offense in the red zone, which would be fantastic, which would help score some points. Um, I had a, uh, a, a, uh, a a fan of the show, a Twitter fan of the show, reach out to me via direct message. And I'm going to read the direct message to you as soon as I pull it up, as soon as I pull up the right account. And I know this is riveting for you guys as I do this. Uh, Noir West on Twitter asked me about um, what I thought about adding to Curry Brown on the goal line or adding to Curry Brown packages for to Curry Brown to help the run game. And I, I said this earlier in the year, uh, going into the season really with Manny on wide right after the injuries to the running backs to Trevante Citizen and to Don Chaney Jr., that I thought they should use some packages in the red zone and goal line uh, with Ja'Curry Brown to help alleviate some of that pressure on the running backs. And I also said it after Texas A&M when they were just terrible in the red zone, that maybe they should add a red zone package for Ja'Curry Brown to add a plus one in it. So you have 11 on 11. So the defense has to defend all 11 guys. Um, and it adds more pressure on the defense in the red zone and gives you more options. And within that, you can not only have, you know, obviously zone reads, uh, quarterback power packages and stuff for Jacoby Brown to run the football, but you also have those, let's say, goal line jump passes, goal line pop pass and fades, which can go to my man, Colby Young. Uh, I also have been clamoring for a long time that if Miami's going to go heavy on the goal line, they need to go with Will Mallory, Jaleel Skinner, and uh, Elijah Royal because they're all receiving threats. And, and use those tight ends in a way that, you know, uses your athleticism. Obviously, Elijah Royal is out for the year, so that's not going to happen. But I think you can bring Khalil Brantley in a situation like this because he's a good receiver um, and split them out and, and maybe use Colby Young in that situation as well with a one-back set and, um, and, and have a run-pass threat on the goal line where he could take advantage of the heavy set in the run game but also use the athleticism of those tight ends in the pass game. It's time to get creative, guys. It's time to, to start scoring points in the red zone because, you know, I, I get Josh Gaddis, uh, you know, he's learning his system, learning what's best for TBD, learning his guys, players, or skill sets, you know, and he's done a great job uh, at least last week and, and a couple of times, and even against Texas a between the 20s, racking up yardage. But you got to start punching it in the red zone, man. This is this is enough. This is the game. This is the game you show us you earned that Broyles, why you earned the Broyles award last year. Show us you can be creative in the red zone. Show us you can score points uh, within the five, from the five in, and get us touchdowns. Not just points, touchdowns in the goal line because it's it's time. It's time to get off this slide. Uh, if this team is going to be successful the rest of the season, that's critical. That's necessary. All right? So there you have it. Uh, that is a game breakdown. Let me pull up some stuff for you, if I will, regarding the audience questions that I receive when I ask for them on Twitter, which, again, thank you guys. Um, for all the questions, I really appreciate it. Uh, you've, you guys have been very, uh, very gracious with your time, uh, very gracious with um, everything uh, you've done in terms of contributing to the show with regards to uh, questions, comments, you know, views, downloads, all that kind of stuff. So here we have a question 
from, if I could pull it up. All right, I guess I'm not. What is going on here? So again, I'm doing the show from the iPad. This is not very exciting for you guys. This is behind the scenes stuff that really doesn't make a difference to either one of you. Uh, the, either one of you, the two of you that are watching uh, right now. Um, but I am trying to pull up the actual tweets and this is not letting me, which is fine, which is fine. You know, Zoom on, on iPad is a little different and it's annoying and we're going to have to deal with it because that's the way things go. And, and I don't, um, I don't want to bore you all with what's going on. And let's see, screen broadcast. What do we got going on here? Stop broadcast. Okay. So again, this is very interesting for all of you as it's going on. I'm going to pull up these pictures right here and see if this way helps. Okay. Now let's see if I could share the damn screen. Share content. Screen. Screen broadcast. Start the broadcast. And what do we got here? Do we got it? Yeah, I'm sharing my screen, but I'm not doing anything with it. Okay. All right. There we go. There we go. Now we're looking. Now we're looking. Uh, here. All right. 